Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful day out there, and I hope your day is going well for you. This is episode number 121 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So if you are new to the show, we talk about how to step into your greatness. And we, we first have to define what that means to you, because everyone has a different definition of success. Like for someone like me, I don't need a big house, fa fancy cars, jewelry, any of that. Not knocking the people that need that stuff. You, you need it. Damn it. Go get it. But just for me personally, mine was just freedom. Like I'm a single parent of five kids and I just want to be able to go to every single thing that my kids go to. That's it. That's all I want. I want to be in control of my, of my schedule. When I, when I want to travel, I want to go. And I, I don't want anything holding me back from being as free as I can possibly be. So that's what it means for me. And so we want to know, what does it mean for you? So as you guys come in and you watch this, feel free to make comments. If you guys have any questions, we'll, we'll answer them for you here, here live. If you're on the live stream, if you're watching it on the replay, then we can chit chat in the comment section as this is streamed live on my Facebook page, on my business page, and on YouTube as well. So why should you listen to me if you are new to the show? Let me introduce myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. It starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not gonna see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again all that stuff. I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. You know why you do what you do. You have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life. And that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You got to know your work. So now that you get to know me a li little bit better, let me just talk quickly about why I do this. So I'm not just someone who just wants to be a content creator and wants to have millions of followers. I do this because I care. I care about you. I care about how you think about yourself. I care about the energy that you project. I care about if you're struggling and you're not sure if there's a way out of it. I care about you because it helps everything. When you are feeling good about yourself and when you are shining your light at its absolute brightest, everyone around you benefits. Everyone. So it doesn't do anything to the world in the grand scope of things for you to play small and not be your best self. So, so what happens? Along the way, we meet people that try to tell us that we're less than. We meet people that tell us we can't do something. Or like you heard in my video where I was told I would never want to jump again. And I'm about to do race number 138 next Saturday. So we got to stop taking people's labels 
and people's definitions for our lives. And we got to start reclaiming our own power and step into our greatness. So that's why I started this podcast. And that's why I bring on guests from all over the world. I've had guests from as far as far east as Australia, as far south as South, south America. And er everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to be happy. And everybody wants to be as free as possible. And so as I bring each guest on, we, you guys all know we get into their backstory because everybody has a backstory. Everybody goes through something at some point. Like I could sit here and do this show about just the stuff I've gone through in my almost 47 years, years of life. But bringing on other people from, you know, whether it's different races, different religions, different genders, different beliefs, said people living in different parts of the country, you get to hear so many different perspectives on how people reach their level of success. And today's going to be no different. So my guest today is a doctor turned entrepreneur, and he had his share of obstacles that he had to face, but we're not going to hear it from me. We're going to hear it from him. So help me welcome to the show, Dr. Jay Feldman. Welcome, Robert, sir. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you for that introduction, man. It's it's so good to be here. So good to share with your audience. Hopefully, if they can take a few things away from this conversation, uh, then it's a huge win. You know, like you said, I've, I've been through my own fair share of obstacles uh, that I've had to overcome and have overcome. And, and now I'm at a, a really good place. So if we can get even one of your listeners there through this conversation, through some of the things that they're going to learn along the way, uh, it's going to be worth my day. And again, thank you so much for having me here. Excited to kind of get into it with you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time and uh, the willingness to share, to share your story. Because a lot of people, they go through these storms and they let the storm almost shame them into being afraid of talking about what they went through rather than finding the power in it. Because said so we all get knocked down at some point, but it's the comeback story. That's the part that hooks people in. Because anybody can sit around and talk about all the crap that they had to go through in life. And my question is always, what are you going to do? Okay, so that happened. What are you going to do? Like, how are you going to re rebuild yourself? How are you going to rebrand yourself? How are you going to forgive yourself for, for what happened? And how are you going to take this and motivate other people? Like, that's the purpose of telling your stories. So as we dive into yours, let's start with first, who is Jay? Uh, good question. Uh, so Jay, talking to kind of the third person here, uh, honestly, I'm someone who doesn't fit in a box. You know, like you, I heard your introduction. I value freedom and empathy kind of above everything else in life. Uh, you know, what makes me tick, I guess, is just getting better, getting better personally, uh, growing as a person, being able to serve more people, uh, adventures, animals, uh, business. Uh, that kind of describes me and, and what I'm a about uh, health, medicine, being able to kind of say and convey uh, kind of my own vision of life and how I can help people. Uh, it, it's all about giving back and, and growing. I, I like to get better. I like to grow the, grow the business and I like to, to serve people. Uh, and hopefully I can do some of that today with you. Awesome. Love it. Great answer. I like that you're someone who doesn't fit in a box because I always say I burn the damn box. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like there there is no box anymore. I set that baby on fire. Cause I burned it long ago. <laughs> yes, yeah. Cause again, cause so so many people try to try to clip your wings. You know, they they try to stuff you into that box. Say no, no, you should you should think like this. You should behave like this. Or at your age, you should be doing this. It's like 
who the hell are you to tell me what I should be doing? <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's my it's up to me to, to define the direction of what I want to do. And yeah, were there roadblocks along the way? Have I done things that maybe I'm not not proud of? Absolutely. But I look them right in the face and be like, yes, I did this. But then, <laughs> you know, like just because exactly. I did this doesn't mean that I'm stuck as that person. You know, Man, and that was so relevant in, in medicine. Yes. You know, I, I went through medical school. I went through uh, some residency training. And the whole time, it's them trying to put you in a box. It's one dialogue. It's it's one passion. It's one job. It's And everybody is kind of on the same wavelength. And I, I never felt like that was my wavelength. That was not my people. Yes. Uh, I, I was, had varied interests. I wanted to travel. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to work on my businesses while I was studying medicine, which was a crazy idea for a lot of my professors and my coworkers. They didn't quite understand. Uh, I wanted to do social media and create content. Again, something that you you just can't do in that profession. Uh, so, you know, like you said, you got to burn the box. Uh, if you want to live on your own terms and pursue your passions, if, if especially if they're varied, uh, you, you have to own it. You have to own your life. You have to own your business. You have to own your finances uh, in order to own your freedom. And that that's what I've learned. That's what I practice now. And hopefully we can inspire some other people to live like that as well. Absolutely. So growing up, did you always want to be, be a doctor? Uh, yeah. You know, I guess starting from uh, early high school, I always had that influence. Uh, I grew up in like a middle-class Jewish family household. Didn't have any doctors in my family, but grandma and mom were really pushing me to do that. Uh, I always had the, the the smarts to do it. Uh, I didn't really just, you know, figure out that I need, that I wanted to be a doctor until college. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't know this. I, I got arrested back when I was uh, early in high school. Um, and that pretty much prevented me from getting into any really good college. Uh, although I had pretty good grades, that that pretty much took me out of the running. So I went to like a third tier uh, school here in Florida, and at that point, we're, family. We're, we're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna just gloss over the arrest. <laughs> What'd you do? Uh, so walked into somebody's garage, took a bottle of liquor, walked out. Ended up being uh, the guy who was running for sheriff of my 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 city at the time. Three months later, a cop pulled me out of school, asked me if I did it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and boom, burglary of an occupied home. Wow. Third degree felony. Yeah, it was obviously going back. I would have said no. I need a. I'll need a lawyer here, <laughs> yeah, and I probably sure. would have walked away skate clean. But then, what would have happened? You know, how would that have changed my life? I think mm -hmm. maybe the fact that that did happen, uh, and put me into a corner. Everyone given up. I got no nowhere to go but up. Uh, I could have folded, crumbled, uh, and just you know taken that that new life as a as a felon. I was on probation for for a year. Yeah. Uh, but that's when I'm like, no, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to prove everyone wrong. Yes. And that's exactly what I did. I changed my, my major to pre-med. I got straight A's. I wasn't allowed to smoke or drink that year because of my probation. So mm -hmm. I just went laser focused. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be successful against all odds, against you know everybody's judgment. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, from there, it was a straight shot to medical school. I love that against all odds. See, like that's a... That's a missing art form nowadays is so many people, you know, they'll, they don't train the box, but they take that first hit and then done, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, like there's, there's never a straight path. And like, 
that's one of the biggest things I try to convey to people is there's never a straight path. And so as you're going along, you're going to hit roadblocks. But as I said earlier, what you're going to do? Okay, so this happened. Okay, how are you going to keep moving forward? Okay, now this happened. How are you going to keep moving forward? This one doesn't support me. Okay, how are you going to keep moving forward? You know, like yeah. you, gotta have, you gotta have that level of resilience to, to see it all the way through. When I started my fitness business, I didn't have a clear pl plan. I had bad credit and no savings, but I knew I had a, I had a talent for connecting with people and to making them feel invincible. So I was like, if, if I just lean into that, good things are gonna happen at some point. You know, it, it really wasn't a build it and they will come mentality. It was like just one person at a time, just one person at a time. And then what went from a hobby in my garage turned into a 5,000 square foot facility. And when, and when I tell you a year prior, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I was like, so I just have to do it day by day. And I built up enough of a clientele that once we opened up the facility, we were profitable from the first day because we opened with 150 clients already. You know, whereas most people go into debt, you know, putting all the money into the gym, and then they have they have no clients, so they end up closing within within 18 months. You know. Yeah, and you know, one other thing about high achievers that I've kind of learned through one my own podcast, my studies, my reading is that a lot of people who have built giant companies who have done amazing things and you know be achieved fame uh they need some kind of motivation to latch on to to keep going to work those like 12 16 hour days that I you know I had to work to to start my company yep. and get it to where it is and that motivation that I was latching on to was all of those times that I was backed into a corner and poor and didn't want to go back there didn't want to prove other people right and if those things didn't happen, I'm not sure I would have had that motivation. And, you know, same thing with you and your facility. I'm sure you went through some times where you were not so proud of yourself, did not like who you were, or maybe something even happened. And your motivation was, I'm not going back there. Uh, and, I, and I've noticed that with a lot of people. And that's, that's the same reason people who grew up like privileged without any real adversity in their life don't necessarily have that same motivation to latch on to. Yes. Uh, so for people who have gone through it, who might be listening to this and, and need that spark of motivation, man, you, you got to use that. You got to use all of that bullshit that you've gone through, latch onto it and let it drive you to those 14 hour days, not work, you know, not having fun on the weekends. I, I, man, I, I worked on my weekends every, every weekend for years, yep. uh, until I finally got to a point now where I, you know, I still work my ass off, but, uh, <laughs> able to finally enjoy myself a bit. Uh, but it's that it's that adversity that drives me and it's that adversity that drives a lot of high achievers. So it's something to use, something to use. Yeah. Like even even working within the gym setting, one of my one of my clients will come up to me and be like, oh, Rob, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a rut. And I'm like, how much weight have you lost? Like 25 pounds. Do you remember how you felt 25 pounds ago? Like, yeah. Well, you're on a collision course and heading right back there. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I don't understand why, why that's not enough for you. So as I said earlier, I spent 20 years in the restaurant industry. And I mean, I was an athlete my entire life, but there was one time, one time where I let myself go because my ex abandoned my myself and my my infant son. <laughs> so well, he was like pre-toddler, he was 13 months old. She just vanished, you know. So my life changed. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so I ended up gaining weight. 
And it, it, was, it was just like a gradual thing where I didn't even really notice. I was in the restaurant this one day, and one of the waiters comes and whacks me on my gut. He's like, Foster, what's going on? And it wasn't until later that night when I got out of the shower after work and I caught my reflection in the mirror. I was like, wow. I was like, just four years ago, you were an all-American athlete. What the hell is that? And I decided at that moment, like, I will never, ever be over 200 pounds again. Never. I was 228 pounds. I'm 6'1". So, like, people people are like, well, that's not that. Yeah, but for me, that was 40-plus pounds heavier than I had ever been. And I felt that one time. Four and a half months, I knocked off the 45 pounds. And I said, I'll never go back there. And, and I had seven surgeries. And I was on crutches at Planet Fitness. I was on crutches walking up and down hills. I'm like, I will not get over 200 pounds. All because I felt that embarrassment and that shame once. <laughs> and I've never gone back there. So you're absolutely right. Like You have to take that stuff that you went through. Remember how it made you feel. And then do whatever you can to never feel that again. Yeah. You look back at it. You say, can't change it. Uh, and now what? Now what am I going to do? And the same lesson applies to so many areas in life. You mentioned your health and fitness. You mentioned going through that traumatic breakup. I had something similar. It wasn't you know, right after a baby. I'm sorry that happened. Uh, but I got my heart broken. And it was because, you know, it wasn't because of what her. It was because of me. It was because I, I wasn't capable of maintaining a relationship like that. So I learned how to. As soon as that happened, I picked up books. I went out and practiced with some friends, and I learned the read the law of attraction, read the game, and went out and became a you know quote unquote alpha male, and kind of learned social structure, learned social systems, and it's translated into sales. It's translated into a lot of areas of life. A fitness, thank God, has always come you know relatively easy, and it's always been very important to me. But I coach a lot of people on their health as well. And I, I see the same thing repeating itself all the time. And they always mention the ones who are ha, have overcome their own health obstacles and got better, a period where they were they felt like they were at rock bottom and they just hit, looked in the mirror and hit a wall. Yeah. And that that's what it is in the fitness world, in the health world. It's when you look at yourself and you feel yourself and you're just like, never again. I never want to feel like this again. I'm never going to look like this again. And you latch on to that for motivation, just like you did. Uh, and you do something about it. You change your diet, go to the gym, and you just think about how horrible you felt and looked that one time exactly. in the mirror, that level of embarrassment when somebody called you a fat shit or some whatever whatever it was. Yeah. And, and it's whatever you got to latch on to. It's whatever is going to motivate you to make that change. And a lot of times, it's something horrible that's going to motivate you, just like it does in business, relationships, and health. Yep, and you said the key words – People felt like they were at rock bottom. And, and I say, obviously, we, I don't want people to be at rock bottom, but those are the best people to work with because they are set. They are fed up with where they are and they want to get out of that place. So when I do my initial consultations at the gym or, or even in, in, in business coaching, I take a deep dive into what their current situation is. And it's like, are you tired of being there? You know, because if you're if you're content, I'm not the right coach for you. Like, I don't mess with content. So it's like, if you are ready to put the work in and to change your, your life, then I can work with you. I said, but I'm not going to be texting you. With, like, no, like when it's time for you to show up, show up. <laughs> you know, when it's time to put the work in, put the work in. 
You know, when it's time to fill out your journal, fill out the journals. Like, I'm going to give you, you the framework. You have to be prepared to do the work. You know, so those are the people that really have the best transformations. So the people who, who are content, those are the ones that yo-yo. Yep, exactly. It, it's it's trauma that really motivates somebody to make change. Yeah. Uh, you know, being content, not having it be a, an absolute priority. You don't have a choice but to get better. Uh, that that's the enemy. And there's really a couple different types of people. There's somebody who looks in the mirror and experiences that trauma and makes a change. And then there's the ones that are like, all right, this is this is me now, I guess, uh, accepts it. Yes. And then obviously there's the downward spiralers who who continue to digress. And man, if those are the people in your life, and this is a, a huge factor too, right? Because it's the people you surround yourself with are going to be the biggest influence on your behavior. If you're surrounded by people who you can tell are in a downward spiral, you got to save yourself before you save your friend that's drowning. I, I get out of there. Uh, I'm very picky, at, picky in particular about the relationships that I surround myself with, my friends, my business partners, yeah. even my my girlfriends. Uh, if I can tell they're content or they're in a downward spiral and their priorities are not straight, I do not want that to rub off on my lifestyle, rub off on my motivation. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll make the conscious choice to cut that tie. You want to be surrounded by people who want to get better, who yes. want to lose that weight, who want to build their business. And I promise you, you surround yourself with those people, you will too. And it's one of the biggest changes that you can make in your life out to affect your own motivation. It's really hard to change your motivation, your level of motivation. It's hard to manufacture a trauma. What you can manufacture is your surroundings and your environment. The people around you, your city, where you live, all of those things are play a huge role. I tell my clients, I don't let them say motivation in the gym. It's like, because motivation is external. Yes. I said, I said so we're not even going to talk about that. I was like, when your alarm go, goes off, you should be able to get your ass out of bed and get to the gym because you have a goal. It's like, that's all you need. You don't need anything else. I said, we, so we're going to look within. We're going to look for determination. We're going to look for drive. Like those things come from within. Motivation's manufactured. So, because I guarantee you, if you were dangling out of a window, you wouldn't say, well, you know, if I had a tiger came on right now, I'd be able to pull myself up and save myself. It's like, no, you would summon the power to save yourself, <laughs> you know? So it's like the power is already there. Let it out. Like, don't look for some something else to let it out. Like, people tell me <laughs> all the time in the, in the gym that, that I show off. I'm like, I don't show off. I'm working within my capability. It's like, just because you can't do a 50 inch box jump doesn't mean I shouldn't, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, don't, don't, you know, discourage me from flying. So no, they're rationalizing your level of motivation because they don't understand it. Yes. Yes. I like that. They, they can't dig, dig deep and, and do 110% at the gym every time that they show up. And I, I get that. Sometimes I'm not feeling it either. Uh, but then I see the people who are, uh, and I get it. It's a, it's a whole different, it's a priority thing. And you can't manufacture priority. You can't manufacture motivation. It comes from somewhere. I don't know where it comes from, where you, where you dig deep, why it's a, such a priority to you. Uh, but it is. Uh, and I, I have a hard time at the gym going 150% every time too. But I've never had a, a health trauma. Uh, so I bet if I did, I'd be able to latch onto that and go 150% every time. Uh, so I bet that plays a huge role, but you're absolutely right about not being able to manufacture motivation. It comes from somewhere else. 
Yeah, like, and people have to step into their strength. It's like my strength is I'm fast and I can jump high, even even at at my age. And but there's someone else. Maybe their strength is strength. You know, maybe deadlifting and bench pressing and squatting. Maybe that's their their strength. You know, whereas my like me, I'm an obstacle course racer, so I, I can do like the monkey bars and the rings and all that up, all that other stuff. And just because someone else can't do it, like that doesn't diminish you in in any way. You know, so it's like I there's a guy in the gym that I train at, he's, he's a, he's a mu- mu- uh, muscle guy. You know, I almost said meathead, but he, he's a muscle you guy. Say meathead. And, the big, big dude. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's like, but he, he deadlifts like 600 plus, plus pounds. And I, I can do the, the most I've done, I think was 430, but I have no desire to go beyond that. Yeah. I, Man, I just, just from a medical perspective, I, I've seen so many people injured at the gym yes. doing the same workout. It's always deadlifting. Everybody yes. who 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 throws a disc is always during a deadlift, trying to mm-hmm. pound on a bunch of weight. Even even bodybuilders with good form wearing a belt trying to deadlift. It's always the deadlift. That's always the exercise. Yeah, yeah. my thing uh, is if you need external things, it's too heavy. There's people that yeah. they put bands on, they got braces on, you know, the weight belt. Like if you have to do all of that, that's too heavy for you. That's why yeah. I cap myself. Six hundred pounds on your lumbar disc. Yeah, because I I can do four hundred and maintain proper form, you know. So I was like, I don't really need to go beyond that. And even still, when I train, I usually don't go above above two two seventy five, you know, just for for reps. And I don't do any more than five reps at a time, because like that's Good. just not that's just not my my wheelhouse. Like like I said, as an obstacle course racer, you know, I just need to be have endurance. Like I don't really really need to say, oh, I can do X Y Z. Like I don't need any of that. So, but Ziz put put up a good a good one here. Like you learn your strengths from introspection, and that's hundred percent spot on. Absolutely, yeah, and that, that kind of goes along with what I was saying. You know, I, I and I also am a victim of this. I'm at the gym listening to motivational speeches on YouTube, listening to Schwarzenegger and 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 people talk you up and talk about you know dig dig deep. There's a, there's people doing this. What really motivates me? I think of my breakup. I think of my heartbreak, and like, would things have been different if I was in in better shape? Uh, and I'm not ever going to let that happen again. Uh, yeah. That's my introspection. I look in, and I, I I latch onto that, and that's what pushes me through the next set, uh, through the next mile. Uh, so for anyone who has something like that, like a memory that they can latch onto, uh, that's huge. Figure out what your mo- own motivations are, even if yeah. they're selfish motivations, even like. You don't have to tell people this stuff. This is what motivates you. What makes you tick? Uh, yeah. It's important to know that about yourself. Yes, I, I, I tell people. I mean, I definitely agree with that a hundred percent. But I, I just take it a step further, and I tell people it's not about you. Like, like you have a circle of people that look at you. So why can't you be the example? <laughs> you know, it's like be the example. See now, now that's gonna give you that. That's gonna give you a push to do what you need to do because people are depending on you. You know, so like whenever new people start, I always say, try to bring in a friend to go with you. So now you have someone depending on you. So now when that that alarm goes off, you can't just shut it off because someone's meeting you at the gym. You know, because it's very easy for people to give up on themselves. It's very easy. Like, "Eh, eh, I don't feel like it today. But it's different when, you know, you got the buddy calling and say, hey, we we hitting up the gym today? 
like my son and my one of my nephews, they they just started going to the gym now. Where I've been telling myself, like, dude, like I work in a gym. <laughs> you know, I run classes out of a gym. Just come train with me. And he just didn't want to do it. You know, so that's but, that's the biggest value add in having a trainer. It's the accountability aspect. Yes. And same thing goes for every aspect of life, but health and fitness specifically. It's somebody saying, "Listen, you you paid me. You asked me to do this. You're gonna freaking be here. You're gonna you're gonna work your ass off during during this uh, because <laughs> I said so, and because you're accountable to do that. Yeah. And there's nothing more more motivating than than that. I think. And the the reason I would pay a hundred dollars a session for a trainer is you better believe I'm gonna show up. You better believe I'm gonna get my money's worth. I'm gonna have a hell of a workout, yep. and I don't want to disappoint this guy." Uh, this guy's over here yelling at me, expecting me to, to you know, put up this weight, uh, do more reps. He believes in me, yes. uh, and and I don't want to let him down. Uh, so I love trainers. I love group classes. Um, I'm I'm a big proponent, and I also try and mix it up. Uh, you know, I do yoga once a week, I do hit once a week, and I do weight training four days a week. It's love good it. to have a little variety in there too. Um, but I said I said to someone <laughs> the other day, they were doing a wall sit. I, I believe I believe it was a two minute wall sit, and so it was like the last twenty seconds or so. I glanced over right as one of the women came came off the wall, and I was like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, where were you the last? You know, I held it this whole time. Where were you then?" I said, "This is what you pay me for." <laughs> I said, "You pay me to catch you when you come off the wall." Like, that's why you're here. You know, it's like people don't understand that. It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I praise them too enough, but I make them earn the praise. You know, it's like, yeah. I, like I'm not an overpraiser, you know, because like we're, we're like, you just celebrate absolutely everything. It's like, no, it's like, you know, when, when they get a high five out of me, they know that they kicked ass. So like, I, I, say, I tell them all the time, why is my belief in you more than your own self-belief? <laughs> like, why is that? Like, I know that you can hold that two-minute wall set. You don't know that you can. Yeah. You know, and you know, they cared enough to show up. Yeah. Uh, and that's half the battle. The other yeah. half is the actually there being able yes. to push through the pain mentally. Yeah. And you really do have to kind of dig deep uh, and, and find a reason to do it. Yes. And, you, you know, not everyone has it. And I don't know how to manufacture that. If they did, I'd be, I'd be a mole bazillionaire. Uh, you, <laughs> for real, <laughs> it's so true. All right, all right, so let's talk about how how you turned into leaving the leaving the off the doctor's office and then transitioning into an entrepreneur. My fourth year of medical school. So before I even started medical school, I lived with one of my best friends and business mentors, Jesse Henry. During that time, I started my first company ever. Ne never had any business experience. Uh, never had any family in business. And at that point, um, I was working as a scribe in the emergency room and had a lot of downtime. So I started writing personal statements and essays uh, for people to make a couple extra bucks. You know, I was making $10 an hour at the hospital, uh, just trying to get by and started writing papers for, for my friends and friends and family, their friends. And he's like, bro, you've got a business here. So that whole year, I actually quit the scribe job, did this full time, built a pretty massive business. We had like 20 people. Nice. Um, helping the personal statements and tutoring and papers and got really caught the entrepreneur bug. What I made that year put me through Europe for two months traveling. And I'm just nice. like, this is awesome. I have total freedom. Uh, at this point, I'm not working very hard. I'm just collecting, you know, the passive income that my team is generating. 
Uh, that business obviously fell apart when I moved to New York for medical school. I had no longer had a presence there. I didn't know how to kind of keep it self-sustaining. But I learned a lot about business, a lot about marketing, uh, which led into my second business, which was uh, a digital marketing service that I started while in medical school. Uh, so by my fourth year in medical school, I pretty much took that year off uh, to do business essentially full time. Uh, grew it into a seven figure marketing agency that I sold at the end of my fourth year of medical school to start my residency training. Now, something horrible happened during my first year of residency training. I uh, got in some trouble over social media with my department and essentially had to leave my, my training before I could complete it. Uh, at that point, that was like rock bottom, huge disappointment, uh, a, a kind of a media thing as, as well. Uh, I was like, my medical career was over uh, and absolutely horrible. I was in a depression for a while, didn't know quite what to do. I didn't have my old business anymore. And my whole identity was kind of around as a, as a doctor. It was a huge point of pride for me. Yes. And because of, you know, the the media aspect of what happened too, um, because it, it did become uh, a story, um, it kind of drove me to dig into that a little bit deeper. Like, why, why was this important in the media? What can I do to counter that? Who do I need to hire? What do I need to learn? And I went into this black, black hole, rabbit hole of knowledge and learning uh, about the media, about PR, about what publicists do, about crisis management, about media pu publications and outlets and SEO and how Google and algorithms work. And I spent like three months just in a rabbit hole of knowledge. And this was right when the pandemic first started about two years ago, uh, it's January of 2020, yeah. uh, like right before and then leading into. Uh, and my business partner at the time with the, the former company was also living with me and kind of also poor and had no idea what to do. Uh, so we saw that there was this hole in the market that no, that there's that this huge need for what what I needed at the time, which was a publicist, which was help with the media, and I couldn't find any good help. I actually hired someone, and it was a nightmare. And we started a company off of that. We called it Otter PR. Uh, we learned how to be publicists, and we took some of those digital marketing clients that I already had, and we offered to do PR for them for free, to kind of learn the game and and get our foot feet in the water, create some case studies. And it was about six months of me and him wearing every hat, sales, marketing, PR, writing. Yeah. Partner's dyslexic. He can't write at all. He was <laughs> writing press releases and email. It was horrible. Uh, and the service wasn't great, but we were very committed and we were able to, to generate some really good coverage for some really cool people. Uh, and I, from I there- just, I just have to, sorry, I just have to say, that's like the ultimate comeback to be dragged in the media and then to become someone who's who's getting people in the media like that's that's awesome isn't it kind of wild and i still think about it like <laughs> if that wouldn't have happened now we have 40 employees it's been 2 years we have two offices uh we're one of the fastest growing digital pr agencies in the country uh the the big players all know who we are we're tied in at every major media publication we do crisis management pr media buying we have a digital marketing arm so it's just grown exponentially over the past two years. And yeah, I had some business know-how beforehand,
but it was really this this passion and a spark for what happened to me and me wanting to be able to not only fix my own situation but other people's situations and help people get positive media attention as well and just to learn inside and out this whole game and i did and i'm I'm doing something right now that nobody else is doing or able to do uh because i I don't think anybody has the the trauma that i have i think it it goes right back to that and it's perfectly applicable and you know i'm doing what i love yeah i have total freedom i'm making more money than i know what to do with and i don't even care about that Uh, what i care about is i'm building an amazing team we're employing 40 incredible people that come into the office every day it's a melting pot they have so much fun i unicycle in with my with my dog every morning uh, one of those electric unicycles it's just such a yeah. such a cool life now and we've been and been able to build this incredible family and none of that would have happened without that trauma and i practice medicine when i get home uh every day when i get home i study and i create content uh i have a youtube channel i create online health courses uh, which is honestly what I wanted to do anyways, which was be a kind of a subject matter expert in alternative medicine. And that's that's kind of what I'm doing in my my five to nine. I say anyone with a nine to five, you're working part time. That's you, that, that's all, only half the time you got in a day. Uh, and I, I, I every day when I get home is the same routine. I've got a studio set up, I study, I create content. Uh, I kind of finalize other stuff that's going on with my own podcast, do stuff like this where I can get in front of other audiences, hopefully inspire some people. Uh, but yeah, talk about a comeback story. I hate to, it, it really was just a wild whirlwind of a two years from the, the worst, lowest point that I've ever been at. Whole identity stripped away from me to now building this massive agency that's been able to help and work with some of the most amazing people and companies and and help people who are going through what I was going through has just been so rewarding. And for anyone who's backed into a corner listening to this, thinking they're at their lowest point, that's that's probably your turning point because that was my yes. turning point. You can't look at it as this is it. I'm I'm beat. Uh, there's nothing I can do. Uh, I'm backed into a corner. You look at it as leverage. Use this. It's important to feel it to really feel it. it's important to, f- to feel it let it sink in and then say can't change it what are you going to do about it and go from there see and that's why it says up above us your true power lies in your story like no matter what it is that you go through there's something in there that's powerful like i have a keynote presentation that i do called becoming who you are who you were meant to be and I started talking about an apple bob contest that I did in the second grade, you know, and, and people are like, an apple bob contest, really? <laughs> so, but I took that story and turned it into something inspirational. Whereas, like, if you think about it on the surface, you're like, uh, what would you, you know, like, what are you going to talk about that with an apple bob contest? Like, that sounds so, so dumb. But, uh, Sorry, I have a question here for you. So at your low point, who who are you? What did you learn about yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, when you're stripped away of everything, including the identity that you've kind of built over the years, uh, you really have to look inside and say, who am I? What makes me tick? Um, and, and really kind of figure that out before you take your next move. And 
at that point, I, I realized that what made me tick, what I value more than anything else was freedom and building companies. I liked building things. And I realized that about myself because even in my medical training, when everyone else was 100% studying 14 hours a day, I was <laughs> building companies. I, I built three companies while I was in medical school. Obviously, that says something about me as a person. And that's one thing that I kind of realized. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to build things. Uh, and I, the, the happiest that I ever was was my fourth year of medical school, which I was taken off and running my business full time. Uh, so, so that's what I discovered. And it, it kind of brought me a sense of relief. I'm like, wow, I, I really didn't need to, to be a, a practicing clinician full time. Uh, what I needed was a sense of freedom. I needed to build things. And that's what I realized. And that's what I started to do. That's, that's where I went from there. See, and sometimes too, pe people don't realize that we're put in these situations. It's like, it's like we have to go through them to really become who we were meant to be. Because when I started my fitness business, I didn't really have a game plan. I was just trying to be everything for everyone. And, you know, that like that doesn't, it doesn't work. But I was trying to add boxing in and yoga in. I was just trying to throw in so many, so many different things. And then I broke my knee. So I was competing in the high jump. I ruptured my, my patella tendon. Jeez. That was that was when I was told I would never run a jump again. And just throughout that process, like I've always been positive. I've always had drive. But throughout that process, now I had something hanging over my head. Like, what if I, what if he's right? <laughs> you know, it's like I still attacked my physical therapy with a vengeance. And then once I ran for that first time, I was like, I'm making a full comeback and I'm getting back on that track again. Like, I, like most people would go through something like that. But I'm never doing that again. I'm like, nope, I'm definitely doing that again because now I have a story. No, I'm not just another person that had surgery, you know? So now I can turn this into something that I can use to inspire other people. So when people are, re are rehabbing, hey, listen, I got told X, Y, Z to look inside. You know, there's there's no doctor out there that has the credentials to tell me about my willpower. None, none 100%. whatsoever. And so when I ran into that doctor again, I want to say this was like four years later. And he's like, oh, I think I remember you. I said, oh, I never forgot you either. <laughs> I was like, never, never. But going through that process help shape me into what I'm doing now. And that's how Shut Up and Grind was born. Because I could have just took his definition of what my life was going to look like afterwards, and I, and I could have ran with it. But yeah. I was like, no, like, that's not how this story's ending. <laughs> it's not. You actually brought up a really, really good point. And this kind of goes back into the, the roots of motivation. One, I think, is trauma. You don't ever want to be back at your rock bottom. Yeah. The other thing that can motivate people really well is uh, the prospect of the future. So you got injured and you kind of saw yourself as this comeback story, as after you were able to rehab, now you're this you know, inspirational character because you went through all of this, came back, and now you're crushing again. So really, the, the, the visioning, envisioning process is so powerful. Being able to see yourself in a certain place with a certain goal accomplished and then latch on to that as well as motivation can be a really powerful factor for people to get through hard times. Yes. Uh, and I, I, I think I use a combination of both, but it is really important to note and important for people to keep in mind. Have that goal in your mind for what it is that you, you see yourself doing and accomplishing 
you know, one year, five year, 10 years down the road, write it down, think about what it looks like, see it and try and latch on to that. And in, in your, your day-to-day -day hustles and grinds. Absolutely. Like track and field was my life. I mean, I play almost, almost all sports, but track and field, like that's, that's the one that makes, that gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. So when I got back out on that track in 2016 for the first time, I, I was actually mildly afraid of high jumping again, you know, just mildly. But right when I drove into the parking lot, I just started tearing up, like just from fighting, fighting through everything and getting myself, getting myself to that point to where like I'm here again. And now every track meet I do is the same. It's the same thing. I pull in. I just have have a moment, just thinking that someone tried to mentally stop this from happening. You know, maybe in his mind he was doing the right thing. You know, saying, "Oh well, in my experience, you know, this never ends well." Okay, cool. But in most things, there's percentages. Like my sister had a brain aneurysm burst. Burst. You know, you know, there's a twenty percent survival rate. She's still here. <laughs> you know, so it's like if you just give me a glimmer of hope. I will be in that percentage, you know? So it was like, he didn't give it to me. So I took it for myself. Yeah. So it's such, such good pearls of knowledge there. And people, uh, I, I hope they're, uh, they're getting some motivation from it, uh, taking some lessons from us. Uh, yes. But they're really, there's, there's so much to latch onto and so much, so many people out there who are also hustling. So it's, it's, you got to keep that in mind too. You know, if you really want a 1% life, you want a 1% body, 1% freedom, you got to, you got to figure out where the motivation is going to come from, whether that's through trauma, through a, a vision of yourself in the future. Uh, but really there's so much opportunity out there and life is better after you've overcome those obstacles. Yes. And, and I, I want to just emphasize there's opportunities out there for everyone absolutely everyone like i'm part of a, a program here in rhode island called the social enterprise greenhouse where we help we help people in uh, low-income areas we help them become entrepreneurs like we have multiple programs but when i tell you this is like college level stuff that we put them through is absolutely for free so we can help someone go from idea to pit pitching for funding you know in a 12-week span and just a lot of people, they just don't know that there's opportunities out there. Most cha chambers of commerce have free free programs for everyone. Like if, if you need help with anything business-wise, they have free free programs. So, and again, that's everywhere. And so that's one of the biggest things I, is I try to help people understand is that the opportunities are there if you look for them. Yeah. And you don't have to be a rock star. You don't have to be a world-class athlete. You just have to be better than you were yesterday. Yes. Uh, and there's, there's nobody who can't apply that to their life. Completely yeah. agree. That's a, that's a great lesson. This, this applies to everybody and there's never an excuse. If there's a situation yeah. you can't change, there's no reason to, to, to think about it and to hover on it. Uh, all you can do is say, can't change it, move on, move figure on. out how to get better. Yes. Amen. Robert, any, any kind of final Things you want to touch on uh, for value on the audience here, value for the audience. Yeah, let's well, let's talk about your your podcast. Sure, we'd love to. Uh, so, Mentors Collective was kind of born out of something I used to do casually and for fun. I used to find mentors on social media that have accomplished things that I respected, and I got them on the phone, and I networked. I asked them questions that I thought would would serve me, 
serve my company, serve my my purpose. And after about a year of doing that, I'm like, this is these are conversations that I should, people should have access to. Yeah. Uh, so Mentors Collective was born. I have high achievers on there in all walks of life, um, whether that be meditation, business, marketing, relationships, dating, anything that I'm curious about personally, where I want to grow, where I want to learn stuff that I, I feel like can benefit my life. I have them on the show. We have that conversation and it, it's it's been a game changer. People have really loved it. Uh, been able to meet and network with some amazing people. And I hope uh, everyone's able to check it out. I think we're about 50 episodes in. It's on every major major streaming platform. And hey, if any listeners or yourself want to want to come on the show and and lend some subject matter expertise to the audience, we'd love to hear from you. I'm down. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That's great. Well, Jay, thank you very much for taking the time. This was a dynamic conversation. Like these conversations go, go by way too fast. They do. Like a blink of an eye. <laughs> I know, like I got to private chat. I was like, "Wow, already!" I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> and I got to run over to a to a business lunch right now across the street. I apologize for that. I would love to talk to you all day. This has been this has been so fun. Uh, great back and forth, great chemistry. I hope your listeners enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, got even one pearl of knowledge out of this conversation that hopefully can 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 spark a change in their life. Uh, then it's a huge win, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I'm I'm gonna be putting on like a, a panel style show once a month where I'm, where I'm going to bring back. Cause I mean, I've had over a hundred guests now and I want to start bringing back like say five, five to six people at a time to just have like a round table type of conversation. If you're interested, I'll let you know. That'd be cool. I would, I would love to do that. All right. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much for joining and uh, head over to, to that lunch. <laughs> Robert, uh, pleasure meeting you. Glad to make a new friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, man. All right, so that that was Jay. If you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and watch the entire show. This was another another very very solid conversation about helping you get out of your own way, helping you rid yourself of those negative that negative self talk, those little voices in your head that plant the seeds of doubt. We want to get those out of there. Figure it out what it is you want to do, and then work like hell to make it happen. So I got for you today. I will be back on Monday. Are we about to get deep?